a bunch of crazy dogs, have some fun. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys episode 10. Yeah, we've hit our diamond anniversary. This is our uh, look at the upcoming week 10 games across the NFL, and our episode is the greatest show, well, since episode 9. We've got our regular weekly picks, news of the week, and a great moment in football announcing history. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy, the prognosticator Attridge. Hey, Matty, how's it going? I'm good, I'm good. It was a uh, certainly a big week uh, last weekend for sports fans. A couple big upsets in college, which is going to have some implications for the rankings as we get near the end of the season. Uh, George St. Pierre reclaimed the middleweight title in UFC on Saturday night after four-year hiatus from the sport. I mean, we saw trash talking, a lot of punching, headlocks, chokeholds, and that was just from A.J. Green. So uh, from a betting standpoint, we ended up hitting the 500 mark once again, uh, going five, five, and two pushes. Woody, by the way, did pick the Jets on Thursday night, uh, making him, at the time, five of his last six. Um, As we update that number, he called Seattle uh, to cover six points, so uh, another push for him on Thursday. Um, From the games, the NFL games that we watched last week we learned a couple things the giants have absolutely given up washington is balling uh that game against seattle i that's that was an impressive win uh, i haven't seen a team coming in so banged up in such a hostile environment coming out with a w it was it was pretty impressive uh, jacksonville is the real deal and they took it to cincy without even having leonard Fournette in the backfield um, and the Rams and Eagles are also for real, hanging 50 burgers, both of them this past week. 51, to be sure. Mmm, burger. The two bays, which would be Tampa and Green, uh, will struggle in the upcoming weeks without their star quarterbacks. Um, speaking of the Bay Area, the 49ers are kind of looking like they're going to keep Garoppolo riding the pine. Um they're keeping C.J. Bethard in there just simply because he's a tackling dummy. Uh, that offensive line allowed 21 knockdowns for him. Um, so by comparison, he completed 24 passes, and that's not a great ratio. And what kind of world do we live in where the New Orleans Saints have a higher-ranked defense than both the Cowboys and the Broncos? All right, let's begin with News of the Week. Captain Danny Bro is one of three players released from Scotland's Rugby League World Cup squad after being deemed too drunk to board a flight. Bro remained in Christchurch with Sam Brooks and Johnny Walker while the squad flew to Cairns for next week's final group game with Samoa. The three players are believed to have continued drinking after the rest of the squad had finished and the airline refused to allow them to board the flight. You know, sometimes I'm not sure what kind of world we live in when Scottish athletes named Danny Bro, Sam Brooks, and Johnny Walker drink alcohol after playing a rugby game in New Zealand. Where's the humanity? Oh, the humanity. GQ reported this week that 
Cleveland Browns wide receiver Josh Gordon, who is now back on the roster, acknowledged that he, quote-unquote, had used, or rather had something in his system probably for every game. Now, we're not going to pile on a guy with a serious substance abuse problem, and it wasn't exactly reported what was in his system, but you can be sure that in Cleveland, it was probably not something categorized with the phrase performance-enhancing. In the Washington State Cal game last week, one of the most amazing plays to win a game happened, and the announcer was feeling it. Let's just uh, pick up the call just before the snap. Shotgun formation. Running back comes in motion. He looks open, but he doesn't see him. Running at himself. Looking end zone. Holy fuck. Did anybody see that? Viewers across America, I'm sorry for my language, but well-deserved. Leaps over those pussies into the end zone for a touchdown. I'm probably going to lose my job for this language, but I don't give a shit anymore. My producer sucks anyway. And that, my friends, is how to lose a sweet announcing gig. The next time he calls a perfect flip, it'll be a burger patty on the grill while he's working at McDonald's. And for those of you who didn't already hate Jerry Jones, you may change your mind after this one. So last Thursday, Jones advised the six voting members on the compensation committee, and that committee is the one that decides the future of Roger Goodell and how much he gets paid. So on that committee are Atlanta owner Arthur Blank, Kansas City's Clark Hunt, New England's Robert Kraft, Houston's Bob McNair, the Giants' John Mara, and Pittsburgh's Art Rooney. And he told them that he had retained a powerful attorney, David Boyce, and had papers drawn up. And if they didn't listen to him on Commissioner Roger Goodell's extension, he'd sue them. Now, with the exception of Bob McNair, those are probably the most respected owners in the entire league. He's obviously pissed about the Zeke suspension. Here's an idea, Jerry. Instead of getting mad at the league for taking disciplinary action against a guy who beat the crap out of his girlfriend on multiple occasions, allegedly, why don't you stop drafting and trading for guys who don't belong on an episode of Cops, like Greg Hardy and Pac-Man Jones. According to our Vegas sources, O.J. Simpson has been kicked out of the Cosmopolitan for intoxication and was banned for life from the establishment. When reached for comment, O.J. said it wasn't him, and as God is his witness, he will spend the rest of his life trying to find the real culprit. And lastly, a sad note from the world of baseball. Roy Halladay died in a plane crash this week off the coast of Florida. He was nicknamed Doc because the way he surgically attacked the strike zone. And he was really one of only a handful of players uh, to win Cy Young Awards in both the American League and the National League. He spent 12 of his 16-year playing career with the Blue Jays, where he was kind of a shining light on that team because never once did they make the postseason in his tenure there. He was really fun to watch. We'll miss him for sure. A certain first ballot Hall of Famer. A note to our listeners regarding Thanksgiving week. We will have uh, an Almost Wise Guys covering the three Thursday games available on Wednesday afternoon. Um, and then a day or two later, we will put out a second episode uh, discussing the rest of the games for the weekend. Look at that, the turkey. Well, why? Know. You don't know. You call the turkey Brad hole, Johnson but you don't know why. It. But let me show you what the turkey hole is. 
Let's fire it up with our weekly picks. All right, uh, the Thursday night game, Seattle at Arizona. Plus six was the uh, was the spread for Arizona being uh, home dogs. And uh, for most of you who follow us, you know that we usually record this podcast on a Thursday. Um, however, we're recording it on a Friday this week, so the game has already happened. And uh, what say you, Andy? Well, it doesn't matter what I think. It mattered what Woody thought. And Woody thought that uh, Seattle would cover the six. Um, but as you say, that line opened at five and a half. Uh, doesn't seem like it's significant line movement. Uh, but we talked last week about key numbers and the importance of the ones between four and six points. Um, this one obviously came into play. And in fact, if you couple that with the, with the um, fact that they missed an extra point at the end of the second quarter, um, that would have been the difference on, on covering or not covering. So anyway, another push for Woody. But uh, it's been a while since he picked the wrong side. So good for him. Yeah, Woody's money. If you're not following us on our Almost Wise Guys Facebook page, you really should because when Woody makes his Thursday night picks, I mean, the dog is the swami. He's money. you got to get to our Facebook page. Check that out. All right, Green Bay at my Chicago Bears. And the Bears, holy smokes, favored by five and a half points. Well, 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 well. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw a couple numbers out here for you, Matty. Sure, bud. So in the last three years, your Bears have been favored five times. In those five games, they're 0-5 straight up, and they're 0-5 against the spread, obviously. Um, so I don't like this started. I think this started at five and then went up from there. I mean, people took people took a look at what Green Bay's offering right now, and it's not a lot. I mean, Aaron Rodgers was the deodorant that covered up so many glaring errors and mistakes and deficiencies that that team has on defense and even even on their offense. You know, allowing 30 points last week. I mean, that's a Don Capers-led defense. And Don Capers really, uh, I'm sure he's not pleased with his uh, defensive unit. So, I don't know. What uh, what are you thinking about the game? This is your team. This is your account. Well, shit, man, I can't remember the last time my Bears were favored against the Packers. Matt Joukowsky was probably quarterback. Um, first off, <laughs> though, I have to say, I did call the actually, Packers actually, sucking I, no, last week, my friend. What? I that do came know when to they fruition. were last time. The Detroit Lions actually won me some money last week. Uh, but uh, as for this week, I, I, I think the Bears are going to hand the ball to Jordan, Jordan Howard all game long. He has a Peyton-esque day on the ground. You were right about this Dom Capers-led uh, Packers defense. They're a shell of their former self. And uh, the defense for the Bears are playing lights out this year. Expect the Bears to cover a dust spread. Stop bears. Stop bears. Yeah, actually, I, I do know the answer to your question. The last time Chicago was favored against Green Bay was in 2008, and I think that was – there's been 18 games since. Wow. So, yeah, I um, – Chicago passes the smell test. I mean, they're running the ball well. Uh, they've had extra, extra time to prepare. Now, if you remember – so obviously Trubisky is a rookie. You remember what Deshaun Watson did as a rookie after his bye week. I mean, he played lights out. So he gave this guy a little bit extra prep time. I think he's going to slice and dice Green Bay's defense. And uh, yeah, I looked them for them to have a good 
good day on the ground, but I think you're going to see a lot of new wrinkles in their offense as well. So I'm taking the Bears. So by slice and dice as a Chicago Bears quarterback, instead of going like four for seven, you figure he goes like six for ten? Oh. That's pretty big in Chicago. Uh, six for ten. No, I'm going to say... Jeez, he actually, I think he had more than 20 completions last week. Nah, he did. He did. Uh, <laughs> it's just but, sad that he doesn't have anybody to throw to other than, well, I was going to say other than tight ends, but unfortunately it was Zach Miller. Oh, um, God. Which yeah. just, that's heartbreaking, man. You never yeah. want to see that. No, no, you don't. Um, well, to, to Rico, and there's his receiver. Maybe, maybe he catches seven balls. Yeah, <laughs> even their best receivers are running back. The Bears yeah. are always all about the running and the defense. <laughs> that's Chicago Bears football. Nothing wrong with that. Listen, pal, maybe you haven't heard. I'm the guy in old Detroit. All right, next game, Cleveland at Detroit. And uh, the Browns are bringing their Washington Generals act on the road this week to Detroit Rock City. And uh, D-Town is favored by ten and a half. Yeah, this um, this is an interesting game. Uh, Cleveland, you know, they're coming off the bye, so that means they didn't lose last week. Um, this one opened at 12.5, so two points higher. I heard that there was a lot of sharp money coming in on Cleveland, which kind of makes sense at that number. Here's an interesting stat. At 12.5, if, if the number closed at 12.5, that would have been the most that the Detroit Lions have been favored ever. Ever, oh, yeah. but uh, no surprise is coming down. Night Train Lane came back from the dead and is suiting up for the Lions secondary. <laughs> I mean, the Lions absolutely spanked the Rogers list pack last week, and this game is against another weak team. So the Lions are going to want to take full advantage of that and and bump themselves up in the NFC Norris. Add to that, Matt Stafford loves playing at home, and his stat line proves it. I don't love double digit spreads in the NFL. But this may be an exception. I think I'm going to go with D-Town. Yeah, I kind of feel like I need to cash in my wise guy card. Taking a more than 10 points. But come on, it's the Cleveland Browns. Um, Stafford's going to have a really big day. Uh, so it would be, yeah, I'm going Detroit. All right, the Chargers at the surging Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars favored by three and a half at home. Yeah, this, uh, this line opened at four and a half. So it's come down a point. Uh, the Chargers are coming off a bye, which, you know, the extra prep time you would think helps. But Jacksonville, it, their, their defense, I don't know, maybe with the exception of Pittsburgh, probably the best in the league. Um, and last week you saw what they could do on the ground, even without Leonard Fournette in the, in the backfield. Uh, they're playing lights out. And what I like what they're doing with Bortles is that they've really sort of Made created a basic passing scheme for him. So he gets the ball, he rolls out. If he doesn't like what he sees, he throws it away. If he can run for a first down, he'll do that, but he's not throwing into double coverages now. Um, if a guy is open, great. If he's not, throw it away. Give it, give it to the running back the next down. Um, keep the ball moving. Keep the clock going. Uh, keep their defense on the field. They're just they're playing really well, and there's no reason for me not wanting to take them at home uh, at three and a half. So I'm going Jacksonville. Yeah. Jacksonville is all in uh, playing great D Fournette's tearing it up behind a killer O line and somehow, somehow 
Blake Bortles, you're right. He's now a good QB. It's just about the system, I guess. Like, who saw that one coming? I didn't see it coming this year, that's for sure. Uh, take the Jags to cover at home against a weak Chargers team that has to travel cross-country. The Bills do this every year on purpose. They'll win a, they'll win a few early on to show that they could win them all if they really wanted to. And then, around mid-November, turn the ball over three times a game to bring families together. All right, our next game features the surging New Orleans Saints going to Buffalo with the Bills as three-point home dogs. Tyrod has a new toy, um, a new Christmas present two months before Christmas in Calvin Benjamin. One of the things that they didn't do well to date this season is being able to get the ball down the field. Um, obviously, with Sammy Watkins not uh, not dressing in a Buffalo Bills uniform anymore, that sort of takes away from that aspect of the game. But Calvin Benjamin uh, can certainly offer more options to Tyrod, who can scramble and run and throw and dink and dunk and do a whole bunch of other stuff. And their defense is playing really well. I like the points at home. Um, I mean, there, there's no – I can't slant the Saints in any way because they're playing well on both sides of the ball. Uh, their offense, which we think of as pass first, has actually become a lot more balanced this year, which I think is the reason of their success so far. But when does it stop? I think it stops this week on the road in Buffalo. It's cold. Um, yeah, I'm, take, I'm taking the three points at home for Buffalo. Yeah, I'm with you. This isn't about New Orleans sucking because they're doing really well. Uh, but I'm buying the Buffalo Bills. They've been playing teams tough, win or lose this year, and the wins have been piling up in Buffalo. They're at a respectable 5-3, and three, sitting second in the AFC East. Um, they also get their tight end Charles Clay back from knee injury this week, which is significant. Um, he's an important outlet for Tyrod Taylor. In the five games he played before injury, he caught 20 passes for 250-plus yards. And weather could also play a factor in this game as it's supposed to be exceptionally cold this weekend with the possibility of snow. Not the best forecast for the Saints' pass-heavy offense. I know you said they're a lot more balanced, but let's face it, it still revolves around Drew Brees and his ability to get the ball downfield. I think this game stays tight. The home dogs cover. Wow, Matty. Uh, a lot of stats are about Charles Clay. It's almost like you have him in your fantasy league. I do, and he's back. Oh, actually, one other thing I want to mention about this game. So the Bills, uh, we saw them lose on uh, two Thursday nights ago. Um, so they've got extra rest, and teams coming off extra rest this season have a, a pretty good record against the spread. So just another little edge uh, for Buffalo. And speaking of that Thursday night game, the next one we're going to talk about features the winner of that one, the New York Jets, um, going to Florida and playing Tampa Bay, who are two-and-a-half-point dogs this week. Yeah, it's this week's sign, the apocalypse is upon us. The Jets are favored on the road, and I'm actually buying what they're selling too. Teams on a roll, their receiving core are making a lot of plays downfield, and uh, teams' defenses are being forced to respect their passing game, and that's allowing former Bear uh, Matt Forte to get loose in the backfield. I don't think Tampa's got an answer for him this week. I'm taking the Jets to cover on the road. And we're guilty of it too, Maddie. but at the beginning of the season, everyone was piling on the Jets, probably talking about them, possibly going 
uh, without a win. Yeah, Ofer. Um, oh, they suck. They suck. They suck. Someone forgot to tell the Jets that they suck because they're certainly not playing like it. They're they're playing really well uh, on defense. They're they're just kind of doing everything right. I mean, they haven't, you know, they don't. They're not throwing up flashy numbers, but they're winning games. And I think I, I think the way that they're playing, I think it travels well. Uh, something unique about this game. So both quarterbacks, uh, Josh McCown and Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, are playing against a team that they had played on before. So welcome back. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket. It's been a while since the Jets were road favorites, as you mentioned, but not surprising. Based on the way the Bucks have been playing now, with Jameis Winston out, if you simply look at both teams' last seven games, the Jets are 6-0-1. Oh, Six wins, zero losses, one push. In the Bucks' last seven, they're 0-6-1, oh, so a reversed record. And that game that uh, the Tampa Bay played last week, they just... They weren't doing anything. And now with Winston out, forget it. No, I'm taking the Jets. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. All right, the Washington professional football team at home against the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, Washington is one-and-a-half-point home dogs. Washington played one of the most impressive games that I've seen in a while. I mentioned it earlier in the episode, but basically about a third of their team was on the injured reserve list. And they went in to Seattle and they came out with a W and they did it with a bunch of backups. And this week they're only getting healthier. Uh, they do have 15 guys who are listen, listed as questionable, uh, but the reports that I've heard that at least 11 of those guys have been practicing this week. So they're getting healthier. But it was such an emotional win that I think this is a good spot for a letdown, even though they're playing at home. Minnesota's coming off a bye. Uh, and here's an interesting stat for you. Teams coming off a bye that their most previous game was in England are 12-1-1 and against the spread this year. Teddy Bridgemarner might be in the lineup, but I really don't see him playing uh, because their offense is ticking with Case Keenum. And why disrupt a good thing? Uh, the defense is playing really well. They can run the ball. The, yeah, I'm taking Minnesota. Yeah, that stat of uh, teams coming off a bye after playing in England, 12-1-1, one, one. that's a pretty ridiculous number. And really, only a fool bets against the Cosmos. Also, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the professional team from Washington had so many injuries on its old line that they're almost to the point of suiting up any fat guy in the crowd who can act as a speed bump. Uh, expect the Vikings to get this one done on the road. Here's an interesting one. We've got Dallas going into Atlanta. This line opened at minus three for Atlanta, and that was when Zeke Elliott was in the lineup for Dallas. Well, Zeke's out. Guess what? 
Falcons are still minus three. And I, 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 either the, the odds makers assumed that Zeke was not playing, but I just I expected to see a lot more line movement. And was Zeke was Zeke in the lineup like you saw last week? They're a totally different team. When you can when you can run the ball in first down and pick up second and short, it totally transcends the way that defenses have to respond to that. Um, most of the defenses that they've been playing this year look really tired by the fourth quarter, um, and that's having to do with Zeke. He just opens up so many different options for them, and I, I'm you know I personally think the guy's worth probably between at least three and four points um, for the spread. And now one, one guy they do have back and he's back in the lineup for a couple a couple weeks now that doesn't get nearly enough credit. And that's Sean Lee on their defense. That guy is absolutely amazing. All over he the makes field. it all over the field. He gets the guys together, lined up. He's uh, he's their general on defense and he's great. And with Zeke in, I was all over Dallas. Um, but this is a must win for Atlanta. If they want to keep pace in in that division and they've had a bunch of horrible losses recently if they want to right the ship um i don't see i don't see julio jones missing another touchdown pass like the one he did last week that was horrible he makes that one 100 out of 100 times high school players make that pass Uh, so there wasn't something quite right but i think they're going to right the ship here and i think they're going to take it to dallas at home see i think this is a pretty tough pick I like the Cowboys here, but Atlanta is very good when they're at home. But unfortunately for Falcons fans, their team seems to have lost a step and the Super Bowl hangover is lasting long into this season. Uh, I know Zeke's not playing. I still like the Cowboys to cover his road dogs. And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? Yeah! The New York Giants traveling from New York across the country this week to see the San Francisco 49ers, your Niners, uh, Andy. And the Niners are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home, a line that's moved a bit this week. Oh, and nine are the Niners. Speaking of the number nine, that's the number of combined Super Bowls that these two teams have. Those were the days. The last time that two teams met this deep in the season with one collective win... Guess, guess when that was, Maddie? Guess when that was? This week 10, one collective win. Probably back in the 80s. 1984. And if you think about it, head coach Sean McVay wasn't even born then. By the way, that had the Cleveland Browns beating the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the difference between the Giants and the 49ers is clearly the direction that each team is going. ESPN reported this week that a player on New York who wanted to remain anonymous said that the team has absolutely quit on Ben McAdoo. He's messing with their practice schedules. He's handing out fines left, right, and center. There's even a lot of talk about Eli leaving the Big Apple and speculation as to how long McAdoo keeps his job. San Francisco, conversely, is excited about getting their franchise quarterback in Garoppolo. Their young, banged-up defense is now getting healthier and more experienced. I know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, but I will be taking the home dog in San Francisco. Uh, But this pick is more predicated on fading a Giants team that is absolutely mailing it in. 
they just might ask Ben McAdoo to stay in the Bay Area while the rest of the team goes back to East Rutherford and licks their wounds. Yeah, here you go, buddy. The Niners are actually playing in a game they can win because uh, the G-Men are terrible. And the Niners, not as terrible. <laughs> Add to that the trip across the country to the West Coast. I, I agree with you. New York is just full of apathy right now. Uh, they don't stand a chance. The Niners cover at home. Sunday night football, and New England is traveling to Denver. And uh, the spread here, I think, Andy's pretty important. As normally I like New England, but Denver plus seven and a half point dogs at mile high over a touchdown. That's pretty iffy, isn't it, bud? Well, it's not. If you have watched any of Denver's last four games, they've looked horrible. True that. Um, well, they, they embarrassed themselves. Uh, I think the running back got 16 yards last week. That's pretty pedestrian. Wow, that's brutal. Well, so these two teams have won the last two Super Bowls, right? Should seem like a good matchup. Why is the road team favored by more than a touchdown? Well, it's because of the way that Denver's been playing the last couple games. Well, the last few games. Uh, Patriots are coming off a bye. Uh, Tom Brady's got a pretty good record straight up. Off a bye, but I think in the last eleven, he's six one, six six and one against the spread. So that really shouldn't come into play too much here. Uh, Denver, if any team in the league right now needs a win, it's Denver, and I think their defense is kind of given up because of the way their offense is playing. If they can get off to a decent start and kind of give them a rally point, something to something to get fired up about, I think that. Uh, there's no reason why Denver can't cover the spread, if not win outright, um, because this is absolutely a must-win for them. And, yeah, it's not like they're going to make the playoffs this season. Um, guys are going to either want to keep their jobs in Denver or they're going to want to advertise their skills for other teams that want to pick them up. So I don't really see them quite giving up and mailing it in. Um, but Brock Osweiler just needs to play it safe. They need to run the ball. They just need to get a few points on the board early and then use that as a rallying point. So, yes, I'm going to take a, uh, a team on a four-game losing skid that's at home against the Super Bowl reigning uh, New England Patriots, and I'm going to take the Broncos at plus seven and a half. See, where I'm a little worried about taking the Bronx, but is that uh, New England suddenly figured out how to play defense over the last couple games. Yeah, but Dante Hightower is out for the year. And that's I think very they true. had one other, one other key injury on defense. Uh, they're susceptible to the pass as well. They are susceptible to the pass. However, Denver cannot pass the ball. <laughs> that is so, correct. So, I, I mean, you know what, dude? I, I honestly... I, I, I want to agree with you because I, I think that that seven and a half points, I think that... That half a point over a touchdown makes it a Denver spread. But if that moves anywhere below that, I'd, I'd go with New England. Yeah. Um, yeah, that wasn't an easy pick. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, as I've mentioned before, we pick all the games here. Uh, but if you, don't, if you don't have to bet on this one, just don't. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a stay away. Just don't, n- not on that spread. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about another angle on that later in the show, though. Monday night football. Miami is uh, at Carolina. Carolina nine-point favorites at home. And uh, yes, that was Celine Dion singing My Heart Will Go On, the theme song to the Titanic. We're actually playing it for the benefit of Cam Newton, who seems not only to have never seen the movie, but is also unaware of the history of the world's most famous ship. You know, yeah, we just lost a great player, but nevertheless, you know, the 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 Titanic still has to go. I've actually never seen the movie Titanic either. Never? No, it came out. I was in the. I think it was my last year at university, and pub night took precedence over movie night. <clears throat> anyway, this game is uh, when I when I saw this line, I I started licking my chops. In fact, I don't think there's a line on the board that I liked as much as this one. Um, there is no reason why Miami should be. Uh, nine-point dogs. I know they're on the road. I know Jay Cutler's their quarterback, but uh, their defense has been playing well, and they've been running the ball. I, I think they're. I think they're. I think their running game is improved since Jay Ajayi left, because I think he was a cancer in their locker room, and I think the that was a good rallying point for the guys that are are still there. Carolina, you know, they lose Calvin Benjamin, right? So you've got you got Funches and Greg Olson's out. Cam Newton's their leading rusher. That's that's just not a good recipe for sustainable success. And I, yeah, I don't like the nine points, especially in a primetime game. I think you know, under the bright lights, I think Miami shows up and covers this nine quite handily. Oh, I agree. Nine points is way too big. I'm 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 with you, buddy. The Dolphins, I think, cover as road dogs. <laughs> So now it's time to uh, dial up the White House, get the president on the phone for a segment we like to call POTUS Picks. Well, it was very kind of him to uh, to weigh in this uh, this week. We know that he's on a, an Asian road trip, but um, got a couple things we gotta we gotta figure out here, Mr. President. We know that you are a man of the people and always like supporting the underdog, which probably would make you a Browns fan. So, what would you say to the 49ers organization? about their chances of getting the first overall draft pick. I don't know if it's as good as ours. I think not. Okay? And we're going to try and keep it that way. But you'll be second. Mr. President, uh, there's a prop bet available on overseas markets that you will be impeached in your first term, and it's sitting at minus 175. Do you think the line is accurate? This guy's a liar. He doesn't know how to tell the truth. So now we're going to get Andy to reach into his bag of goodies, give us a couple nuggets of info with a little segment we like to call the Prognosticator's Potpourri. So there's just a couple things that I want to throw out there. Uh, The first one is as it relates to betting trends. Um, And then I'm going to do something that we've not done before, and I'm just going to throw out a few teaser picks for this week. 
But betting trends is something that you hear often about. You'll oh, the Chiefs have won nine of the last ten on the road, which was the case last week, and then they failed to cover the spread. Uh, the problem arises when people see a trend like Team A has covered the spread seven of eight times playing Team B dating back to 1988. Well, it's not a very reliable stat if you have to go back 20 or 30 years. Um, we mentioned one last week, and that was that uh, Green Bay had won straight up 24 of the last 25 against the Lions. Because it's 96%, that actually is an important stat. Um, obviously, they, they failed to cover last week. And that stat has guys like Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers baked into it. But um, because those teams see each other at least twice a year, uh, that becomes more relevant. But when you got interconference games and you're you're going way back, you just have to sort out what's relevant and what's not. And sort of any anyone that goes back more than five years, because if you look at Think of your favorite team and think of how many guys were on that team five years ago. It, it becomes irrelevant. So um, there are other trends that actually do come into play. Um, consider September playing at Mile High Stadium in Denver. You know, guys are just getting, you know, just getting off training camp. They're not in full condition and they're going to an altitude that's, you know, difficult to play in. So I think if you look at Denver's stats in September against the spread, they do fairly well. So that, that is an important one to consider. Yeah, wouldn't that information already be baked into that line, though? Well, you know, the line itself factors in dozens of different metrics, but it can't it can't account for everything. And right now, the the line is predominantly dictated by public perception. So, going against that, actually, you know, you're gonna do you're gonna do pretty well. Uh, so, just pay heed to what what betting trends you see and which ones you want to pay attention to. The other thing I want to talk about are, are teasers. And teasers aren't something that we've talked about very much, but there are three games on the board this week that if you want to tease them, I think they're good spots. The first one uh, would be the Redskins, who right now are one-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. So if you tease them up to seven, you go through the key numbers of three and seven points. And as I say, they're at home. Uh, with a relatively low total on the board at 42. Uh, there's a similar game going on in the Bay Area with my 49ers, who are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. So you can tease them up to eight-and-a-half. And again, um, with an over-under at 42, there's not going to be a lot of scoring in that. Uh, the third one that I'm going to throw out there actually features a favorite, a road favorite, and that's the New England Patriots at minus seven-and-a-half. So if you want to dial that one back down to under a, a field goal, I think that's a good, good proposition as well. So there's three. Mix and match however you see fit. But, uh, yeah, as those come up, I'll throw them out there. And, yeah, good luck. Thank you to all our fans for listening to Episode 10 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and all picks from all Week 10 games across the NFL. Thanks again to President Trump for his insights. From Cosa Nostra Studios, for Andy, the prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Sayonara.